It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) All right, everyone, welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast, episode 101. Uh, thank you, everybody that uh, supported us on episode 100 and, and reached out to us to congratulate us on that. It was a really, uh, a really cool time for us. And like I said before, thank you to Blind Melons, Roger Stevens for the interview. Chris, Thanksgiving has uh, has come and passed. Did you get your fill of turkey, or are you ready to go back for seconds? I'm just ready to not go back to work. How's that? <laughs> you know, I actually, I actually like my job. I don't want to go back to work though. I mean, it's the first time I've had like two consecutive days off in a long time. So forget the turkey. I just want to, I just want to take her out at home some more. I worked 10 hours on Friday and seven hours on Saturday. So it was just a kind of a normal week for me. Um, before we go on, Chris episode 100, uh, it's in the rearview mirror. Hopefully, uh, we have hundreds more to go, but uh, I was really pleased with the response that we got from everybody for that. uh, Roger Stevens interview. Yeah. And I I thought the interview turned out well, you know, I, I, uh, I, I hadn't heard it until you released it, and I remember actually texting you and you know saying it turned out turned out really well. You know, I was concerned about the audio, and there were definitely some parts that were kind of difficult to hear because uh, the fact that we had to do this over phone, three way phone call, which is not going to give you superior sound. Uh, we're nowhere near superior sound what we're doing right now, and that was really that made it even more challenging. But I caught most of it. You know, I was able to hear most of it. And I thought it I thought it worked really well. Yeah, big thanks to my buddy Ian Rice who helped us with the level out uh, all of that to make it sound as as good as possible. So, Chris, we're winding up the the year, and there's not a lot of really new music that's a worth of note that normally comes out uh, in the month of December. I think most of the stuff you see then is like uh, greatest hits packages, and obviously, you know, the gosh awful holiday music that we get bombarded with. <laughs> but <laughs> the the new releases for me have kind of uh have kind of dwindled in the last month or so um i guess like the the last two things that i got that uh, i really enjoyed was uh uh blackberry smoke released a triple live album that's uh, it's really really good it shows just how, what great songwriters they are and uh, a band that's you know people still think they're kind of newcomers but they've been around like 17 or 18 years and a band that honestly can play with anybody they have They've like I think opened for like Guns N' Roses and then you know played with Government Mule, but uh, uh, it's a really good album. And then um, 
the new Magpie Salute album is really good. Um, I'm having a hard time listening to it very much, though, because of how the band was broken up and how all that was handled. So it's kind of weird to release an album and then four weeks later announce that you're getting back with your brother for a uh, reunion tour. Um, but uh, that is what it is. But the reunion tours, Chris, are the uh, kind of the subject of the day, as um, you were saying Slay- before we went ahead, Slayer played their final show last night, and then uh, Motley Crue cannot stay out of the news the last couple of weeks, and I kind of wish they would. So uh, I guess it's a good time to talk about our thoughts on, on those two. Uh, re- well, Motley Crue's reunion Slayers are going out of business <laughs> uh, for them, but uh, the reunions are, are the big thing. Supposedly the Kinks are getting back together to play shows for the first time. Uh, a form of the Black Crows is back together. It's just the Robinson brothers and, and four other guys, no former members. But so, what are your thoughts on? Um, let's start with Motley Crue first. What are your thoughts on Motley Crue? Well, it's like uh, I heard Eddie Trunk say the other day, and he's he's you know he's he's spot on. It's all about money, and I mean people were calling in and on, on his um, that Monday show that he does on on, on Hair Nation. And they were saying stuff about money. And I said, of course it's about the money. Don't let them fall. I mean, Motley Crue saying all these new fans, they're demanding they come back. Man, that's BS. I mean, look, they've been gone four for, years. Okay, I was going to say, I don't think, it, I was about to say, I don't think it's even been five. So there's been that many new fans since then. That's a bunch of crap. Go see their, Go see one of these shows. And you're going to see the same people you saw four years ago. Mm-hmm. That movie did not bring out this new fan base, and they know it didn't. What happened is they got, and this is my opinion, and I'm sure I'm probably right on this, they got a huge offer. And they knew they were going to look like fools. So, hey, the demand is so high, we have to come back. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And unfortunately, I think that, I think these, um, these, when they do these uh, final tours, they're most of the time they're total BS. You know, like like people said, Ozzy's been on a reunion on a, on a farewell tour since '92. Right, and Bob, that's not an exaggeration. What Bob Dylan's been on one for like thirty years? They call it the Never Ending Tour Tour or something like that. I mean, Kiss has too, and, yeah. and you know, and I will tell you, I, I saw so I heard something recently, like the talk right now with Kiss, and and we've got. We know plenty of Kiss fans could elaborate on this. You know, as as you know, I don't really follow them, but I can't help but hearing that um, you know, there's been some discussions with Ace and with uh, Peter Chris. What does that tell you? They want to keep going past what was going to be their farewell show. I mean, this farewell, I bet you'll go another five years. And it's just, just stop. You know, just be honest. And so that's my thought on it. That, so that's my part of Motley Crue. Well, I'll tell you my, my thoughts on it. First of all, um, I mean, I, I'm not the Motley Crue fan like you are. Um, so, you know, they they don't do not do all that much for me. There's a couple albums that I like, but I love Dr. Feelgood. I love the stuff on Decade of Decadence, the new songs. Um, I like the Karabi album. Um, I like some of the stuff on um, on Generation Swine, actually, but... I think they're a complete joke. Um, you know, I do too. you're going to, you're going to ask somebody to pay 150 and $200 and the lead singer can't even, can't even take the time to sing the words. And when he does sing them, he sound it sounds like a pig squealing before they get killed. Um, and he, he, it's just a complete joke. And I, you know, I just, 
I kind of feel bad for Mick Mars because I mean, this guy he needs to he needs to go and retire. I mean, he's for his for his physical shape he's in, it's got to be miserable. And I'm like you, just come out and say, hey, we got offered 150 million dollars, and I'll I'll tip my hat and say, you know, I don't I'm not I don't necessarily want to go see it, but I respect you for saying, um, you know, it's all about the money. And I meant to run this by my wife, who's an attorney. They signed that contract, and part of that contract stipulated they would never play again. And so people basically— But who else signed it? Well, here, Nobody what, else? Well, what, I, what I'm saying is, though, they they played these shows saying that they were the last one if there's any type of you know class action lawsuit possible. Because I just think it's ridiculous. And you know, say, say what you will about how the Black Crows have handled their business in the past— They've broken up three times, and every time they've never called it a farewell tour. They said, we're going on hiatus. This could be it or could not be it. And they didn't milk people for, for extra money for stuff like that. Well, and it, it, the way the crew is doing this, I mean, I just can't believe that people would, would, would... First of all, I can't believe anybody would go see anything Vince Neil does, period, on any level. I think he's I, his singing, It's ter- first of all, it's never been good. But I don't know if, if you, I think I sent you the video of the audio of him playing Dr. Feelgood yeah. and you cannot make the words uh, out. And so if yeah. I'm going to, if I'm going to pay $200, first of all, you better have enough respect for me to know the words and to actually sing them and not make, you know, high pitched squeals every fifth word. So, um, you know, as far as like Def Leppard and Poison being on it, Def Leppard Live is one of my favorite live bands. I love seeing them. Um, you know, if I if I were to go see this thing, that would be the drawing card to get me in there. Poison, you've seen them once, you've seen them a million times. They're not exactly, uh, you know, top line musicians, but if you want to go and have a good time, you're going to have fun listening to them. But I, I just I don't see this thing selling out football stadiums, which is what it's being rumored to be. I, I just and then There's the no way. then the amount of money that the tickets would have to cost. Um, I just don't see I don't see this thing. I don't see this thing going well. Well, man, you've, you've said a lot of things just then that I would, I, I'm probably going to forget some of them that I wanted to comment on. First of all, concert, the ticket prices. Well, first let's go to the size of the venue. I agree. If they start trying to book stadiums, it's going to be a big mistake because they're not going to sell. Uh, that would be foolish for them to do it. Uh, and that's just the rumors that we've heard, by the way, is stadiums. So we don't know what they're going to do. Hopefully they're not that, that stupid to try that because it will be so low, but with the three bands, if, if they do try to play stadiums, or what's going to happen is they're going to have terrible sales, and right towards the end, Ticketmaster is going to have a hundred dollar ticket for forty, fifty bucks. So you'll be able to get a cheap ticket if you want, because they will not sell that well if they try to do something like that. Um, I agree with each other about you know poison. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's they don't change anything, but you know what? What I like about going to see Poison, if you're going to go see him, first of all, it's good for the the casual fan, the the soccer mom, to go watch a Poison show because they're going to do a greatest hit show. And say what you will about Poison, you can love them, you can hate them. They're going to play. You, they're going to sound like the record, but you still know it's live. But they're going to sound like the record. Yeah. Vince. Okay. I think his voice sounded really cool in the early crew days. I, I love Shout at the Devil. I love Too Fast for Love. I, I think those records are great. I mean, just timeless, great you know, rock records. But now, yes, it's a joke. And 
you know, I've heard, I mean, he's had this problem for years now. And you'll hear people like Nikki Six defending him saying, well, he's running around. Well, stop running. You know, stand still. I'd rather see you stand like Rob Halford and hit every and sing every word other than, you know, I mean, literally, uh, you know, my motorcycle on a switchblade knife. His is motorcycle, switchblade knife. I mean, come on. Sing the whole damn lyric. It's ridiculous. And yes, they are a bit of a joke. And I think Nikki, Vince, uh, they they look, Nikki more than any of them looks like a fool, honestly. Tommy, I, yeah, Vince can't sing. And Vince is a, you know, out of shape disaster. But Nikki's the one that really keeps spearheads these things, in my opinion, and gets them going. And he's the one who really came out with those preaching left and right final tour. He's the one that looks most ridiculous, in my opinion. I used to think he was the coolest guy. I don't now at all. I mean, he's not cool. Um, but when we get on the whole thing of the the reunion shows, and I, let's, let me step back, the farewell shows. Yeah, so Slayer had theirs last night, and I don't know what it is. Like, I, I was, I think back, I think back when Crew was when they were doing theirs. It, now I'm like you. I've got so many different things to say. One one other thing I wanted to say with it that I hate about it being a farewell show like that is I heard they were charging these huge prices for a meet and greet. They thought they were in their last chance to meet the band, and look, four years later they're right back. And the people that spot that pay their forty dollars shirt pay a thousand fifteen hundred dollars to meet the band, and they come right back. I mean, it, it's it's just a slap in the face. But what I was going to say about Slayer or any of these bands when they start to do it. Like, I think when, when Molly Crew was doing theirs, I don't remember people really saying, I think this is really it this time. I don't really remember that. And the feeling is that it is with Slayer. And I'm not I'm not sure. But, um, you know, when they – sorry, I just got a text from David right now because we're long distance. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of shocking. Um, man, you threw me off. That's good news, though, David. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway. It's sports. We won't get into it, but um, I, I, I'll, I'll get back on topic here. It, there's something different about Slayer to me that it just, and I think a lot of people feel like that it feels real. And David, I know you're not a Slayer fan, but um, go if you can find the video. I think it's worth your time to watch it. You can skip the song if you want. But they do Angel of Death for the last song. It's about I saw a the, I saw video. the thing at the end where he talks to the crowd. That was awesome, and and it was so cool. What felt so real about it too is all the members were legitimately like embracing each other. And you could tell they were they were emotional. And so my point is, I, I think that they at least really, whether they come back or not, I think they truly feel that it is the end. I don't think Ozzy ever felt it was the end. I don't think Kiss has ever felt it's the end. And I doubt Motley Crue did. I think Slayer feels like they are closing that door. That's just my opinion. Now, if they come back and play a festival or whatever, that's fine. And it would have been fine if Motley Crue had to come back to play an occasional festival because they said they would never tour again. Right. So there is a difference. Right. But And, and they but, even said, you know, we may come out and release a few songs every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> oh, but anyway. Hey, I was going to just jump one thing, too. We, we said there's no new music, and I agree with you. I don't have, I don't know of anything else coming out this year I'm looking forward <coughs> to. That's not to say a, a great record won't still be released. But a couple things just that I, I would mention um, – yeah, one is a, a band called Wildlife. It's W-Y-L-D-L-I-F-E, one word. And I know that people are, um, 
I, I know, a lot of people know that I listen to a lot of uh, Little Steven's Underground Garage, and and uh, Little Steven has a record label called Wicked Cool. You know, we had Ryan Hamilton on, which is on that on that label. I talked about the Dolly Rots, which is on that label. Uh, Little Steven's on there, of course. On, of course, he's on his own label. But there, there's, there's a lot of good music on that label. And so this band, The Wildlife, or just what they're called, Wildlife. I heard them on Little Stevens, and it's just really, really catchy. They're they're a New York band, kind of has that New York sound. Uh, I would say, kind of, sort of, got elements of the Strokes, but more kind of your poppiness. Um, I, I don't know. You might could even mix that kind of that Ron that Ron Hamilton sound with the Strokes. But really, really, really good band, and I've I've really been listening to. This. So if you like a lot of that Steven, Little Stevens type sound. Check those out. And then the other one is uh, everybody, anybody that listens to us knows that I do listen to some of the weird um, atmospheric black metal. I, uh, and I, 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 I'm a broken record here. I hate that Norwegian black metal, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's not my thing. Um, I think it's kind of goofy and, and it's just, it just, I, I don't like the sound of it. But there's a band called, Win, I, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but Winter Phileth. It's W-I-N-T-E-R-F-Y-L-L-E-T-H. And they are a British atmospheric black metal band. They actually, and they actually did, I, I would say they're, they don't sound like Panopticon who I've talked about, but I would put them in that category because they did an album last year that's a strictly, basically just folk album. No metal, no screaming, none of that. And it's called The uh, Howling of, the Howling of Airdom. It's it's a cool folk record, but I've been listening to the last full length that they've done. I've been listening to a lot called The Dark Hereafter, and it's just I don't know. It's just those sounds that I like. It, it's I've said it before. It's the vocals. I get it if people can't look, tolerate it, but it's almost like a background instrument to this. Just often music that gets that it'll get intense and beautiful and up and down and. I don't know. I think it's great. I've got to so ask anyway, you. I've got to ask you. I've got to ask you. Listen to some weirdo music. Try that one out. Yeah, go for it. Like serious question here. Where yeah. where do you where do you find these? Um, because like, like I used to joke good with question. you. I literally used to joke with you. At some point, you're gonna find like a black metal bluegrass band, and like you you have found a black metal bluegrass <laughs> band. I mean, the next thing, like, I mean, are you gonna find like black metal polka? I mean, I, mean, I seriously like, cause like, there, okay. there, there are avenues I use to discover new music. A lot of message boards, a fan of bands that I listen to, they'll have uh, headings for like other music, and um, and a lot of times, like I'll, you know, you're the same way. Like, excuse me, you see some people like on Twitter that um, that you're that you follow that you're friend, like Brian Fallon. He'll tweet out something about somebody. You and I'll probably go give it a, a, a look. How do you find some of these? Because it's not like I'm not making fun of them. It's not like they're selling a million albums. Yeah, you know, I mean, no, that- that's a good question. And first of all, before I before I even go off that, you mentioned Brian Fallon. I think that's another good example. Like the Black Crows, they took a, they said they were going on an indefinite hiatus. They but they didn't break up. They went and did their separate things, and they left the door open to come back, which I think they will. Just do it that way. Anyway, to your question. Um, you know, it's, I'm not doing, I don't think I'm doing anything differently than you. I, and I don't really even get on message boards, but I know exactly how, how I found this one. First of all, how I found Panopticon and Wolves in the thro- Throne Room, that was Casey from Astronoid that, that uh, recommended those bands to me. And um, 
Austin from Panopticon, he's recommended a couple of bands to me. So there's two different guys, two different musicians and bands that I like that have told me about these. But with this one in particular, I was watching the other night. I was watching a, um, I was watching on YouTube. I, I, I saw through, um, this is a long answer. I'll try to make it quick, but I saw through, through, I think it was through Instagram. Um, Wolves in the throne room, throne room. They're touring, I believe in Australia right now. And it just, I thought of them touring and all. So I thought I'm going to check out a video, see what they look like live. And I, while it's going, I start reading the comments. And as you asked me this question, I pulled this up because I still have the screenshot on my phone. It was just a comment on here. It said, um, they're talking about like Cascadian black metal, which is, is that, I uh, think that the Northwest, which is where Wolves, Wolves, in the, Wolves in the Throne Room are from. And a lot of these bands do just kind of sing about nature and all that kind of stuff. And the comment, the tail end of this comment, it says, there is, however, black and shoegaze, or black gaze, as some people call it, and it's heavily influenced by shoegaze music. Same goes for black and post-punk to come out of France. Lots of bands there. Check out, and he starts, and he names several bands, two of which are Alcest and Death Heaven, two bands that I, I love. And so I started checking out these bands, and while I didn't really like the references on there, one of them, you know how you start looking, and at the bottom on, on iTunes, or if you're on Spotify or whatever, it will recommend something? Mm-hmm. It recommended a band, and I can't even remember what they were called, and they, they were okay, but one of the recommendations from that led me to to this band. So I, I sampled only a song or two from several of these bands, and this was the one that I really liked. So I, I don't think it's really any different than you. It's just being music fans, you, you know what you're looking for. Um, I think back to when I was uh, when I first really got into Chuck Reagan. I would Google and try to find who's like Chuck Reagan and try to find different. And it, and it did help me find some, no, no, none of them did the same thing for me that Chuck Reagan does, but it helped me find some similar artists. Yeah. It's no, it's no different. And then you find more out there. And then you find oh, people ahead. that like, that like writers and bloggers and stuff that you trust and you know, yeah. they steer you in the right it, direction more times than not. It just sounds more out there. Cause we're talking about something so, obscure and such a small segment of the population listen to. And one of them that are brought up on this podcast too, um, Rune, our Norwegian listener, you know, our Norwegian listener, um, slash friend, I guess you'd say he, he, uh, recommended one of the bands as well. So, you know, it, it's recommendations from, I've just named three different people that I got recommendations from. And then just, you want to search more because you know that you can't just turn on the radio and hear this stuff. You can't go on to no. Sirius XM. Well, you can't go on and listen to Liquid Metal and hear this kind of stuff. Right. You know, if you're going to hear if you're going to hear black metal, you're going to hear hear like the real black metal, which is not. And, and people that don't really know, I'm telling you, this type of stuff that I'm naming, it really is different than if you're thinking of Mayhem or Dark Throne or whatever. Like even I know even David can acknowledge he may not like it, but he can acknowledge it sounds really different. It does. It does. I, I give them props for being for originality, which yeah. is which is something in this day and age. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Chris, I I think you've been hitting kind of the Netflix pretty hard lately too. I finally sat down and watched the um, that documentary Echo in the Canyon that um, uh, Jacob Dylan did. Uh, it's really good. It's really interesting about all of the music that came out of um, that 
certain area of, of Los Angeles in the 60s and 70s with like the mamas and the papas and the beach boys and the birds and stuff like that. Um, it was a little bit too long, I thought. I thought they could have cleared it up some, but they had some really cool performances with like um, Beck and Fiona Apple and Jacob Dylan playing a lot of these songs. And uh, it was really cool to see Tom Petty was really featured heavily in it because uh, he was into all that. But Echo in the Canyon, it, it was really good. One of the better documentaries I've seen in a while. Well, how long is it? Because I have wanted to see this. It's you pretty it's long. Really long. It, it seemed like it went on. Like I think they could have cut 15 or 20 minutes out of it, and it would have made it like better. Like three hours? Two hours? No, three no, hours? no. I, I would say probably an hour and 45 or something, maybe. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's yeah, not, I've been looking forward it's, to It's not like watching The Godfather or anything like that, but... Or the Irishman, my God, that's a that, that movie. If you haven't watched it yet, it, I don't see what all the hype is about it. I've got other thir- than its I've legendary got, actors, I've got thirty minutes left in it. I've been watching it piecemeal, an hour at a time. <laughs> do you like? Do you like it? Um, it's not. I mean, it's not The Godfather. It's um, average. It's yeah. average at best, and it's like got on IMDb like well above eight eight an eight score, which is I, I don't get it. Right. Um, I, I thought it drug like crazy. You're do, you're doing the smart thing. I watched the whole thing and I was. I was bored to death. Um, yeah, I've watched. Uh, I watched just last week. I watched two different documentaries. Um, these are, you can find both of these on Amazon Prime. And the first one I watch is simply titled "Stiv," and "Stiv" is in Stiv Baders. And that was a really cool one. Um, it's it's low budget. I mean, it's very low budget. Uh, so don't expect big production value. Only watch it if you're into Stiv and into the Dead Boys and stuff like that. I mean, honestly. But um, but I did enjoy it. And then the other one I watched it, I liked even more, a lot more, because it is more professional and it's, it's a good quality documentary. It's called Looking for Johnny, and it's about Johnny Thunders. And, man, everything you hear about Johnny Thunders, it, it's – I mean, he may have been one of the biggest rock junkies who ever lived. I mean, seriously, that guy was a – train wreck and an absolute mess and you know and i know a lot of it came again it talked about some of like one thing in particular like where he supposedly went to his he couldn't see his kids and he was telling somebody he was doing drugs because he wasn't his, his ex wouldn't allow him to see his kids and his, this guy said no you're not seeing your kids because you're doing drugs and he had also gone to his ex's place and I think basically he hit her or beat her or whatever and stole her, her welfare money. So, and I know that was just, you can say, well, that was just the drugs, but you know, not a pillar of society for sure, but remarkable talent. You know, I, I love, I love, um, I love Newark Dawes. I love his solo work. I think Soul Alone is one of the great, great rock and roll records. And it was a cool documentary. So if you're, if you're into that kind of stuff and if you're into bands that, if, if you like looking to see in who bands you love, who inspired them, whoever you're listening to, if you're listening to a lot of stuff we listen to, I can assure you they were probably influenced by Johnny Thunders. So I, I would check that one out. And then the other one I'm watching when you t- are, that I did watch, we never did talk about. And I don't know if we never did talk about it, David. I don't know if you've watched any of it, but Ken Burns, you know, talk about Marathon, uh, his latest documentary, Country Music. Did you did you watch any of it? If you I checked it out, I haven't seen it yet. I I, I keep meaning to uh, mm-hmm. because everybody I know that's seen it has raved about it. Yeah, I think you'll really enjoy it. You know, the first it's all good. I'm not going to say any of it's bad, but the first, you know, it's really obviously 
very roots. But once you start getting into, you know, around the time of Hank Williams and getting into the outlaws and, uh, and getting into George Jones and that, that's when it gets really, really, really good. I mean, really good. So if, I mean, if you haven't watched that yet, highly, highly recommend it. And so David, I think that leads us to our topic. So this week we're actually going to talk about country music. Chris is a, a really big fan of, of country music. Me, not quite as much, but um, since I do a lot of those episodes, like album episodes that uh, Chris isn't really fond of doing, and I, I do those, uh, uh, I thought maybe we should do a country music one, one that uh, he would be really, really interested in doing. Um, so it's going to be, a, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be our first country episode. For me, um, I'm, I'm more into like. The, the kind of the Bakersfield sound, I guess what you would call some of the country rock stuff. I really like a lot of that. Um, I have a hard time with, with some country. I don't, I don't listen to anything modern country to begin with. Um, but, um, some of it, um, I, I don't know. It just, it hasn't always done as much for me as it has others. I, I really respect guys like Waylon Jennings and Chris Christopherson and, you know, Hank Williams and Hank Williams Jr. And all those people. But, um, for whatever reason, I've kind of steered more into the, um, I guess you would call it the, the country rock side of it, which it's going to be some of my selections and we're going to do our top five country songs here in a second. But Chris, why don't you kind of take over because uh, you're really passionate about a lot of this music. And so uh, give everybody your take. Well, I'm not, I'm like, I'm like you. I don't, I, I, well, I can't say that I don't like new country music because I do like new country music, but what I'm listening, what I listen to this new music People aren't listening to. They're not going to hear it on your radio station. Yeah, new, real country music doesn't get played on the radio anymore. It's it's all the pop stuff, and you know, basically, as I always say, it's in sync with a fiddle. And I don't like that. I like the I like the traditional stuff. I um, I really love the outlaw stuff, but it's not just the outlaws. I, I love the people like like Conway Twitty. Uh, you know, I, I, Loretta, Loretta Lynn, just, that's what I've, I've just been drawn to that. And, you know, I, there's, there's just a something to that music that I think is so cool. And it's such a, it's a, it's just a, I don't know. I, I, I love that part of music. I love that history of music. And I think some of the great, great songs came out of that, out of that, especially that, I'd say fifties through seventies country music. And I mean, country, I feel like was pretty good, popular country, even in, even through the nineties, you know, it's not like I'm just saying, oh, it has to be back in 1970. Now there were some good country artists in in the, in the nineties. And it's just a shame. I I, I keep hoping it's going to get back. Yeah. I read an interview one time with uh, Hank three who uh, makes really good modern country. And, but with obviously I should say he makes really good, good traditional music in today's time. And I remember somebody was asking him about country music and all and talking about the state it is. And he said, well, he believes it'll go back, you know, that it's cyclical, it'll go back. And I thought he was right when just a, probably a couple of years later, 
you had Chris Stapleton just killing it at the, you know, at the, was it the Grammys? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe it will come back because you have him. And though she's not as traditional, she's not, she's not quite the pop artist of the others, but somebody like Casey Chambers. And I mean, I'm sorry, Casey Musgraves. And uh, so I'm thinking maybe there's a chance for it, but it still didn't happen. I mean, it, it was like a bunch of, God awful music like Luke Bryan, and then they'll throw us one bone and throw in Chris Stapleton because because even guys like you know those first couple of records by Sturgill we talked about his last record but those first couple of records that's straight up traditional country and man they didn't even get a look at country radio so you know it's not my favorite style of music but I think it's one of the I don't know, there's something about the mystique about it. It's one of the coolest times, the, the old country of yesterday. And that's another, I think a lot of musicians don't, I mean, they're not going to listen to people, you know, fools like Luke Bryan either. But they love this old traditional music. And so I just told David, like, let's just talk about our favorite five. And, you know, when I was coming up with my own five, I, I knew, I thought this is going to be easy because my, my top three, it, it wouldn't even... I didn't have to think about it. I knew him right away. The other two almost can be interchangeable. So that being said, you want me to start off with one? Yeah. Why don't you, why don't you run through your five? All right. Well, my my first one that I'll go with is um, let's just go with let's go with one of the le- one of the big time legends. I'll just talk about Johnny Cash. You know, I feel like Johnny Cash had to be represented on this and. He falls into that one of the three that was very, very easy for me. And that's I Walked the Line. And, yeah, I mean, you can kind of tell what the lyrics are about in that song, but it was, they talk about it on this country, this country music documentary that he was, you know, it's when he was married to Vivian, his first wife. And, you know, Johnny proved to be not quite the faithful man, at least not with his first marriage. I, I think he, I think that changed when he met June. But, he was on the on tour. He was on the road, and this song he wrote for his wife, you know, about being faithful and um, great lyrics and great meaning behind it, and and I think great intent behind it because I think Johnny, if you know anything about Johnny Cash, I heard um, one time I saw Roseanne Cash years ago talk about how he always, you know, he always wanted to be good. He he was this, you know, had this good this, this good christian type man and all but he was so drawn to to the other side and um so i think he wanted to be good he wanted to walk the line he wanted to be faithful he just couldn't do it and i just think i think this is uh one of cash's truly great songs it has that very very just to me that re- very recognizable dumpy type sound that um that you just, you just grew accustomed to hearing with Johnny Cash. So again, I walked the line, and David, I think, I mean, everybody probably knows this one, but let's go and play a clip of this. heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time 
I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine I walk the line I find myself alone when each day's through Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you Because you're mine, I walk the line As sure as night is dark and day is light I keep you on my mind both day and night And happiness I've known proves that it's right Because you're mine, I walk the line You've got a way to keep me on your side You give me cause for love that I can't hide For you I know I'd even try to turn the tide Because you're mine, I walk the line I keep a close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds Because you're mine, I walk the line You're definitely one of the most famous country songs and uh um, I, I really grew to appreciate a lot of Johnny Cash's stuff after watching um, the movie with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that was one of the better music biopics I've ever seen. Um, I thought Reese Witherspoon just nailed it, and so did Joaquin. Um, I, I can't argue with you on this one, and, and it's it's one of the most recognizable ones uh, for that generation, and it still is respected by people that come after it. And Johnny Cash, like just had a way of we talk about like how people can emote he had a way of just conveying heartbreak or a tough life or hard times very very few people can do do it the way he did and i think that's one of the reasons he was so successful because he was this guy from nowhere in arkansas you know you can look in um uh there's a documentary where he like goes back to where the house that he lived in it was just you know very you know it, it was a tough life he had growing up and and just um I just really think that comes through in his singing, and this is definitely one of his signature tunes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next one, the next one I thought a lot about uh, that I'm going to pick, and these are in no particular order, but again, I'm going to go with one of the big, well, most of these guys are great, what, just legends, but I tried to think of, I thought, you know, Hank Williams needs to be represented, and and. Like I said, there were several songs that I, I was thinking of for these final two spots. And, you know, I actually thought about a modern song. Uh, one that really had strong, strong consideration to me was um, was Loretta Lynn with, with Jack Black, Portland, Oregon. 
you know, I, I could easily insert that. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to just go with, I'm going to go with Hank Williams. There's several songs that I, I could have considered, but ultimately I went with what I feel like was probably the first song that ever caught my attention, you know, and I, and also I think it's important because we just did recently the songs that we feel like shaped us in our music listening and uh, are the albums. And I picked Hank Williams' 24 greatest hits. And I think the song that really got me off of that was Your Cheating Heart. And that's another one of those songs that is just so classic. I, I think it was a, I think it was a Pepsi commercial that really brought that to my attention when I was in high school and not long after that I bought his greatest hits. And so, yeah, I mean, he's just, he's the, one of the, I mean, he was probably, there were guys before him and when he watched this, um, this series on, on there, it seems like Jimmy Rogers was kind of the first superstar and then came Hank Williams. And I mean, these were the, the mega, mega stars of the, of the genre and neither one of them recorded very long and just put out some of the best music in country music history. So Hank Williams, your cheating heart. My dad always says that if Hank Williams hadn't have died and Jerry Lee Lewis hadn't have married his cousin, both of them would have been as big as Elvis. And uh, I definitely think that uh, is true when it comes to Hank Williams. He had he didn't have a long career, but boy, he sure was productive while he was recording. Yeah, he made an impact. Both he and Jimmy Rogers. Jimmy Rogers, you know, it's it's amazing. He re- he recorded so, like well over a hundred songs in six years. Six years. That's impressive. I mean, he just had them flowing. And Jimmy Rogers and Hank Williams have both been recorded, just covered so so many times. Um, but yeah, I I just love, I love that song. I think your I think your dad really has. I think there's something to what he said too about um, a guy who also made some great country music, and that that being Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, you know, you just watch the way the guy performed, his charisma, his cockiness. I think really played to his strengths. Uh, so yeah, I agree. I think he could. I think that just killed his career. Um, the last one, or not the last one, but the next one was just took a while for me to decide what to pick. This one's kind of. This one's different because there's really no singing in it. And so it seems like an odd choice. And if anybody thinks it's this is an odd pick, man, I get it. It is. But Johnny Paycheck, who was – I recently saw just the other day, uh, Matt, uh, Matt Penfield had a Johnny Paycheck shirt on, and he said he had never really become with that familiar with his music until he watched the Mike Judge uh, series, And which, by the way, I can't say enough about that. If you If you haven't watched – was it Trails from the Tour Bus? Yes. I cannot say enough good things about that. Johnny Paycheck may have been the wildest guy. I mean, what he did put these rock stars, these dangerous rock stars, to shame. I mean, this guy was a raging lunatic. Um, the ultimate bad guy. And I think he's another one that he clearly just had it in his heart. You know, he's still... I think at his core, you know, he knew he knew right from wrong, and and he did a song that is it's just about. And if you think I'm going to do that, name one of his songs, you're probably thinking it's going to be "Take This Job and Shove It," um, Colorado Kool Aid, something like that. But no, I picked the Outlaws' Prayer, and I also did this one, guys, probably a year ago, if not that longer, that we did one on sad songs, and I picked this one, and. 
you know, I, I would, if you never heard this song, I, I would encourage you just to listen to it. it it's, um, I don't know what it is about it. it. It moves me and it gets me every single time. He's basically in the, in the song, just kind of talking about the hypocrisy of a lot of the, a lot of the church going folk when, you know, he, he wanted to, he walked up to, to the church, wanted to go in and, and he wasn't welcome because of the way he looked and his long hair and all of that. And, and, you know, there's even the lyrics like, you know, even, even John the Baptist wouldn't be welcome in this place. <laughs> and he started, and he starts talking about, you know, if, if, you know, didn't I see a picture, something about a picture of Jesus with, you know, with long hair. And, um, and then he's talking again, talking about this hypocrisy. He's saying, you know, I, I, I saw women, there's women, women in this church were in the front row last night singing, you know, screaming, play shove it. Um, and it's always, it's always the very end that always, always gets to me. I, I don't know why. I mean, if, if music hits you in the gut like it does us, then I think you will know why. And I'll just read this. Won't take long. This is the, the last two paragraphs of the song. You know, Lord, I'm not perfect. Some might some even call me no count. But I'll tell you, I believe as man, I believe a man is judged by what's in his heart and not his bank account. So if this is what religion is, a big car, a suit and a tie, then I might as well forget it, Lord, because I can't qualify. Mm. Oh, by the way, Lord, right before they kicked me out, didn't I see a picture of you with sandals and a beard? Believe you had long hair, too. Well, this is paycheck signing off. I'll be seeing you, Lord. I hope. And that, just cool. all, that gets me every time. The way he's, you have to hear the way he says that, that at the, he just pauses and he goes, I hope. <laughs> and I, I don't know it because of that. that that's why I, have to, I, I love that song. And I know it's a little bit different cause he's talking it, but anyway, um, I'll get back to some of the couple of the heavy hitters. Another one that lyrics just the next two songs are to me some of the greatest lyricism in, in country music ever. Just my my opinion. I'm gonna go with George Jones. He stopped loving her today. To me, George Jones is the greatest the greatest country vocalist of all time. I'm not saying he's my favorite country artist, but to me he is the greatest singer that's ever been in country music. And I don't really even have to think about that. And he stopped loving her today. I know if you if you've ever listened to country music, you've probably heard this song many, many times. I don't need to get into it. Basically all you really need, if you've never heard it, if you're one of the ones out there, the few that hasn't heard it, obviously a love story. He stopped loving her. It sounds like, Oh wow. He, he quit on her. He doesn't want to, he doesn't love her anymore. No, he stopped loving her cause he died. Um, so it, I mean, it is, it's just a really, really touching emotional song and it, my list would be incomplete without that one. That is, that's a, man, that's a great tune. George Jones, man, he was, he was the man and he, (laughs) he was as wild as some of these rock stars we like to talk about too. Oh, such a, they'll, they'll talk about him a lot in that, on that, on that country music documentary. He, uh. Man, that guy was falling down drunk. I mean, you hadn't been drunk until. I mean, there's nothing like being being drunk and being George Jones drunk. That's a different story. I mean, if you haven't again, I'm gonna refer you to the the uh, Mike Judge 
series. If you can, you can look it up. It's called Tales, Tales from the Tour Bus, and it's cartoons that are representing these characters. And when they're when somebody's being interviewed, it's a cartoon that looks like that person. And George Jones got so drunk, wanted to go get more alcohol. His wife threw his keys way out to where he couldn't, I guess, way out in the field or trees or whatever. So what does George do? He hops on his riding lawnmower and rides to the liquor store. Yeah, that's drunk. He also got one time, I think she took his keys and he got on his horse and rode to the bar and tied his horse off. All right. This man could drink. All right, Chris, there's a song I want you to listen to when we get done. It's by the Drive-By Truckers, and it's called George Jones Talking Cell Phone Blues. And it's all all about him being a drunk. And it's got a line. (laughs) It's got a line that basically says, like, if you don't straighten up, you're going to be singing duets with Tammy again. (laughs) George Jones what? George Jones talking? It's George Jones Talking Cell Phone Blues. It's on an album by the Drive-By Truckers called The Fine Print. I'm going to listen to that. It's, because like I said, they're, they're George Jones drunk. There's, it's just something different. I know. It's one of those things like you see, <laughs> you know, you see people like, you're never going to be as cool as George Jones driving a golf cart at four in the morning, you know, drunk with a, you know, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. So well, I, well, there was a story too. And this is also talked about it when he, he uh, suspected, uh, he thought Porter Wagner was hitting on his wife, Tammy. And so he's at the urinal, and he goes up while Porter's taking a piss and grabs him by the balls <laughs> and squeezes like you know what. Oh, man, that's I mean, that great. Dude, that dude was legit. But, uh, yeah, great. I mean, again, I think the greatest singer in all time, of all time, country music. So my last one, this guy's talked about in, in, this, in this series, and he's – He's actually, somebody says he's, I believe somebody on there said he's the, maybe the greatest songwriter of all time. And a lot of people that don't really, that aren't real familiar, they probably at least know his name, but they don't know just the success he had as a songwriter. And that's Chris Christopherson. You know, probably, there's probably a lot of people, there's probably people listening to us that are music fans that probably don't even know that he wrote me and Bobby McGee. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just... The guy was a prolific, is a prolific songwriter. You know, I, I guess of the ones that I'm naming, he's the only one alive. And um, anyway, he did, so people may be familiar with Sunday Morning Coming Down as a Johnny Cash song. Well, Johnny Cash definitely made it famous. But I didn't go with the Johnny Cash version. I don't like it as much. <coughs> and I realized that you know, Johnny Cash, he had a different sound, of course. It was a unique voice, but I realize it's not like he was the greatest vocalist of all time, but he was a good he was a good singer. He had a good voice in his own way. Well, Chris Christopherson doesn't have a great voice. And as a matter of fact, early on, a guy wanted to put out a record of the guy, I guess it was who um the guy first he first really hooked up with us as you know, trying to get his uh songs says get him as a songwriter he wanted to record an album with him and he couldn't believe it because he said he couldn't he knew he couldn't sing but the guy just wanted to do it and um it worked because this guy is i'm gonna say too that we talk about guys you know you, you said this before when, he, when i 
I, I can't even remember who you compared to when we were talking about uh, Cash, the way that he sells a lyric. You think about, we always talk about Brian Fallon, the way he sells a lyric. Uh, there's certain guys that can just really do that. I think Springsteen does a great job of that. I think Chris Christopherson does. And I know he's not the greatest voice, but it has the Sunday morning coming down has to it has to be his version because it's one of the most down and out songs I've ever heard in my life. And Johnny Cash, let's just be honest, he doesn't sound nearly as depressed as Chris Christopherson. And Christopherson just makes it he makes it the best. And I just people that may not be familiar, I'm gonna go with the opening some of the opening lyrics to this song. If this doesn't tell, I'll read the first the first uh, verse. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head that didn't hurt. And the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad, so I had one more for dessert. Then I fumbled in my closet, threw my clothes, and found my cleanest dirty shirt. Then I washed my face and combed my hair and stumbled down the stairs to meet the day. I mean, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know what else can be said. This song, I... Probably would I might put this as my favorite country song of all time. So let's go and play it, David, and then come back and tell me your thoughts. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head that didn't hurt. And the beer I had for breakfast wasn't bad So I had one more for dessert Then I fumbled through my closet for my clothes And found my cleanest dirty shirt And I washed my face and combed my hair Stumble down the stairs to meet the day I'd smoked my brain the night before On cigarettes and songs that I'd been picking And I lit my first and watched a small kid Cussing at a can that he was I crossed the empty street and caught the Sunday smell of someone frying chicken. And it took me back to something that I'd lost somehow somewhere along the way. On the Sunday morning sidewalk. Wishing, Lord, that I was strong There's something in a Sunday Makes a body feel alone There ain't nothing short of dying Half as lonesome as the sound Those sleeping city sidewalks Sunday morning coming down In the park I saw daddy 
with a laughing little girl who he was swinging. And I stopped beside a Sunday school, listened to the song that they were singing. And I headed back for home, and somewhere far away, a lonesome bell was ringing. And it echoed through the candy. Like the disappearing dreams of yesterday On the Sunday morning sidewalk Wishing, Lord, that I was stoned Oh, there's something in a Sunday Makes a body feel alone There ain't nothing short of dying Half as lonesome as the sound On the sleeping city sidewalks Sunday morning coming down On the Sunday morning sidewalks Lord, that I was stoned Oh, there's something in a Sunday Makes your body feel alone There ain't nothing short of dying Half as lonesome as the sound Sleeping city sidewalk Sunday morning coming down Chris, Chris Christofferson's one of those guys, I think he's, he's kind of like a musician-songwriter where... He does things that I think you really have to know what you're talking about to appreciate. Kind of like uh, we've talked about, um, we've talked about people before. They're like a musician's musician. Uh, you know, people that we don't necessarily, um, uh, you know, appreciate how good they are. But if you go see them in concert, other musicians are coming, you know, out of the woodwork to see them. Like I always hear that about Pat Travers. Like whenever Pat Travers plays anywhere, all these great guitar players go hear him. And Chris Christopherson, I think. For me, I, I remember him being a member of the Highwaymen, and I was young, but I remember being like, "Who is this guy? He's not." I obviously know the other the names of the other guys, but then, like you said, he's written a lot of great songs. He's also a very very accomplished actor as well, <clears throat> and so brilliant guy too. Very yeah. very brilliant guy. Yeah, so definitely one of the more underappreciated people I think in the in the country music business, and he is really beloved by everybody that that uh that has come in contact with him. I know like Cheryl Crow's a huge fan. Just a lot of people like that really love and appreciate his his art and so yeah, I can't argue with you on that song. Cool. Mine's going to be go more toward like country rock. So my first one is going to be a classic though. It's going to be Johnny Cash Ring of Fire. Now, a lot of people think this is a Johnny Cash song, but it's actually 
was actually written by June Carter Cash and uh, Merle Kilgore. Um, and, you know, I think some people think it's kind of like a, almost like a doomsday song, but it's not. It's about falling in love and just going all in. And um, I think this is probably Cash's signature song, uh, either this or Walk the Line. Um, and then, of course, you know, Hurt later on uh, just really uh, brought exposed him to a new generation. But Ring of Fire, it's been covered by a lot of people. And at the time, you know, it was more of a rock song the way it was recorded than necessarily a country song, so to speak. Um, and it was just really, really, you know, unique at the time. It's been covered by a ton of people. Social Distortion probably does one of the best versions of it. They play it routinely. Um, so I know you had Walk the Line. Are you a fan of Ring of Fire, Chris? I am. I, I like the song. I, I really do like the song. I, I, I'll be honest. Part of what made it, though, so unique and what people liked was the uh, the trumpets. Almost rather it didn't have the trumpets in it. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, I like the song. And I, this is one that one of the few – usually I don't like the cover songs – more than the original. And right. I do like social distortions better just because I love the way they rocked it out. But you are right. This, I would say as far as his signature songs, yeah, Hurt came in the later at the end of his, his career, end of his life. But before that, I would say I walked the line, ring of fire, Folsom prison blues. Those are, those are his three. I agree. And he make it throw Jackson in there down the line, kind of close to it. Yeah. Um, all right. So my next song is "The Road Goes On Forever." It was written by Robert Earl Keane, but it was kind of made famous by the Highwaymen. Um, if anything, this song has one of the greatest lines ever: "The road goes on forever and the party never ends." Uh, and it's t- it's like a narrative. It's a song that's a, that's a narrative. Uh, and the Highwaymen. Um, we haven't really talked about them, but it was what Cash, Waylon, um, Willie, and Chris Christopherson. I got that right, Chris. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, they, they put out, uh, a, a, I think, two or three albums, and they were kind of like the first, I guess, like country super group. And I've just always really liked this version. Obviously, it's a more, more dated, the recording of it. You can definitely tell it was in the late 80s, early 90s when it came out, the way it was recorded. But I've always liked that. I've always loved that lyric. That's one of my favorite lyrics of all time. And uh, Robert Earl Keane, another guy that a lot of people may not know of, but highly respected in the country music business. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, he's a uh, R.E.K. is a great, great songwriter, and you know, he's one that's he plays a different form of country because he's a little bit of that Texas sound. You know, I, 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 he doesn't get talked about in comparison as like a Steve Earle, but to me, he is more of that Steve Earle, John Prine, just those ones that are a little left of center, and but they're still country. Yeah, I mean, you can. They may go in and they may be big on college circuits and stuff like that, but they are country, and yeah. Rek is a country artist, and that is a brilliant song that has been covered by many people, and uh, I, I really, I really like that pick of yours. All right, so the next one is going to be a song called "You Ain't Going Nowhere," originally written and recorded by Bob Dylan, but. It was not released for a long period of time. And the Birds, um, they started a, kind of went in the country direction with their Sweetheart of the Rodeo album. They'd gotten rid of David Crosby and Graham Parsons had come on board. And they really kind of helped to author a lot of that um, Bakersfield sound. And this is, you know, they're famous for doing a ton of Bob Dylan covers. And this one's no different. But they actually released this three years before Bob Dylan's version was ever officially released. 
I absolutely love it. I love the the birds version. I love like the pedal steel on it. Um, it's been covered by everybody. A uh, cracker and a uh, um, counting crows do a real good version on one of those counting crows albums. But uh, th- this was definitely a, a change in sound for the birds. I'm a pretty big Birds fan. I listen to them fairly often, and this is kind of my go-to album, Sweetheart of the Rodeo. So I knew I was going to have to have a bird song and a song off that album on here, and this is my favorite one off the album, You Ain't Going Nowhere. So I want to check that album out, and I did listen to that song. I did, and I thought it was a good song. I um, The reason I want to check that one out is because I keep going back to this this country music documentary, but there are two albums that they talked about that kind of piqued my interest, and it was – because it was people that were not traditional country artists. And one of them was the birds. And so I thought, well, I don't know a lot about the birds, you know, obviously turn, turn, turn and, you know, tambourine man and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, is this maybe like their pet sounds that maybe Pete wasn't successful, but everybody loves it. And so I just started searching and seeing what searching people's favorite birds albums. And it's not, I was kind of expecting that. But it's it doesn't rank that very high as far as what people think are great birds albums. But I do know it was a major country flair and then welcoming Graham Parsons into the band. So it is one that I would like to check out. Yeah, it's 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 good. A uh, hundred years from now, um, you know, Wilco has covered that. Um, you don't miss your waters, another great country song. And so out of that, uh, you know, Graham Parsons gets kicked out of the birds and he forms the Flying Burrito Brothers. And they released, I think, two studio albums with him on it that were very highly, didn't sell real well, but were highly influential. And kind of one of their signature songs is a, is a song called Sin City that uh, uh, probably came on my radar first hearing Uncle Tupelo cover it. Um, and it's been covered by a lot of people, but this is just kind of, this is kind of almost one of those definitive Bakersfield Sound songs. And when I think of country music, my version of it, this is one I always go to. Yeah, I that I mean that that version of course is wonderful. And and the Uncle Tupelo version, man, it, it it's kind of like um I know they didn't write the song, but it's kind of like where I compare the the versions of Sunday Morning Come da- Coming Down. I like the more depressed version. Well, Jay Farrar has it definitely a more down and out song. Right. And but the original is excellent and i do really like grand parsons he definitely is more of the country rock and you know you're not we we were exchanging texts before this and i said that um yours definitely aren't the traditional country songs i said but that makes sense to me because i know you're not really the country fan so it'd be hard for you to just start picking it's not like you can just suddenly say well let me see which garth brooks songs i like right you know or, or go well let me go and try to find me a george jones song that i like a lot right you know, you had to pick what you liked. Well, that leads me to the next one, which Chris threw a penalty flag on me in our text earlier, but uh, I'm going to go with it. Um, <laughs> it's actually a Bob Dylan song. It's from his Nashville Skyline album, which is a country album. And uh, kind of, I guess kind of the most famous song on this is Duet with Johnny Cash, where they do Girl from the North Country. And, you know, he and Cash got to be really big friends. You know, they'd sing, uh, Johnny and June would sing, I got you, yeah, uh, it ain't you, babe, you know, stuff like that. But, uh Dylan is an interesting person for me because everybody talks about how brilliant he is, but I cannot, for the most part, get past his voice most of the time. I think he's a guy, when people cover him, they his songs sound great. I mean, 
like you said, the birds probably did 10 or 12 Dylan covers. Obviously, the most famous one is All on the Watchtower by Hendrix, I would think. And, uh, you know, Like a Rolling Stone is considered one of the greatest rock songs ever written. But uh, I chose a track off there called Tonight I'll Be Staying Here With You. And I'll have to admit, the first time I heard the song was back in 2005 when Mark Ford joined the Black Crows. This was a song that they would cover occasionally. And uh, on the message boards, people are like, oh, Nashville Skyline is a great album. And so I started kind of having a little bit, at least a little bit more of an appreciation for Dylan because I was going and listening to that album. And it's definitely a country album. But um, this is one of his originals where I think he does a really, really good job on it. And for a lot of Dylan songs, this one's different because it's the lyrics are straight ahead, straightforward. There's no ambiguity to it. And a lot of times to me, his lyrics, like especially the verses, don't make sense in relation to the chorus and stuff like that. But uh, and and another person that's not fun to go see live. I took my dad to see him, and it was it was horrendous. But uh, I digress <laughs> on that. But yeah, tonight I'll be staying here with you off of uh, Nashville Skyline. I think it came out in '68 or '69. Uh, it's a really good song, and it's worth if you're a country music fan going to listen to that album and hear him do it because he he immersed himself in that scene and into uh, that genre and did a really good job on it. You know, Blonde on Blonde is one of those albums that a lot of people really talk about on him, but uh, Nashville Skyline is on up there too. Well, see, and I do like those early Dylan records. You know, the famous ones that went before he really before he plugged in. I really like those records, and I and I like. The, I mean, I. He's going to go back to like Christopherson. Okay, yeah, I get it. He's not a great singer, but they worked with the songs, and I liked it. I liked the way it sounded. But then his music—he's almost like to a lesser degree like a Tom Waits, to where his music just his, his voice just started getting different. And um, you know, and there when you watch this this uh, country music documentary, you, you'll see that he used—and I can't even think of what they referred to him. They referred to him by name, and I can't even remember what it was. But there was a big group of session players in Nashville that were just the aces and the go-tos. And I think Dylan recorded, I'm, I'm sure. I think that is one of me. I think he recorded two records with them and them playing on it because they were just such incredible musicians and he recorded them in Nashville. But yeah, that's the one. Like, so like, I knew your, your country songs were, you know, a little bit, different now the the road goes on forever like i said I, I stand by that that's a that is a country song the other ones may be a little bit less than conventional bob dylan was the only one where it's like huh <laughs> especially the song that it replaced tell people what, the, what it replaced oh uh, what did i have um um I'm, hold on i'm drawing a blank I, poncho and lefty oh yeah poncho and lefty uh the the willie nelson song um that's a that's a great song too. Uh, I just went with the with the with the Dylan one there at the end because like I was listening to Nashville Skyline today and uh, I was like I love that tonight I'll be staying here with you. So yeah, so my version of country. Well, those are and and like I said, I, I had a lot of other ones I kind of considered. There are other Hank songs that the I think that I was just looking at my my list. The last three that would have been in consideration and two of them are newer songs. One of them already mentioned, Loretta Lynn, Portland, Oregon. Oh, that's amazing. And there's a great version of that on the David Letterman show with Jack White. You need to go check it out. That that was one that was strong consideration. Hank 3, Louisiana Stripes. And then the third one, Waylon, Lukenbach, Texas. So all three of those, strong, strong consideration. But 
I just went those first like the first three were simple. You know, I walked the line Sunday morning coming down. He stopped loving her today. I've always said, I mean, I've said for at least probably 10 years, there's my three favorite country songs. And, but then that paycheck, there's just no way I could leave that out just because of the feels that it gives me. And, um, and then, like I said, I just felt, man, I got included. I think. So I'm, I'm definitely, I think my list proves I'm, I, I do like the old school country. I don't, that's why I said I don't. And, but then again, I'll say even stuff that was done in the nineties. I mean, I know he was popular, but Garth Brooks had some great songs. Alan Jackson had great songs. Travis Tritt. I mean, those guys were good country artists. Um, and they were real country, but, but you don't get that anymore. No, I actually, you know, that I, wasn't that long ago. No, you know, a lot of people say that was kind of the golden era for country in the nineties. I liked, um, I don't know if you remember the band Confederate railroad. Yeah, um, I do. I, I like some of their stuff too. So yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, uh, picking my brain for, um, country music and trying to, uh, come up with five that, uh, that I could loosely associate with country music, but I know you enjoy doing this one and we talked about doing a, a country one for a while and maybe at some point in the future we can do one basically just uh, uh, on outlaw country. I think that would be good. I think that would be a good, good one just to talk about. Yeah. I mean, cause we're Waylon, you know, uh, Waylon, Merle, Johnny paycheck. Uh, I know George Jones isn't necessarily one of the outlaws, but, Man, the drinking we just talked about, he he deserves a spot. Um, yeah. <laughs> if nothing else, a spot at the bar, that's for sure. He would have been a fun guy to hang with in the 70s. Yeah, I think at times he probably would have been. But I think there's other times where he seems like he he's the type that could have gotten mean. Right. Because I think he was just an out there drunk. I mean, it, you know, and his nickname was No Show. Right. Because he'd get so drunk he wouldn't show up for shows. Right, No Show Jones. Yeah. But no, I mean, I know that we did we did country, but I feel like we we it's been a while since we've done one. So we I think we covered a lot different music to check out, final tours and that whole crazy thing and the documentaries. So we did we had it we did have a focus, but I think that was just a small part of what we talked about. So yeah, I wonder if there's ever been another podcast that talks about Motley Crue and Johnny Paycheck in the same episode. Probably <laughs> I don't not. Know. Yeah, and I, I doubt that um, the band that I mentioned, this Winter Phyleth or whatever, first of all, I've probably been mentioned on a, you know, who knows? I may get talked on a lot of podcasts, but probably not, you know, right. them and George Jones and, right. you know, Flying Burrito Brothers. <laughs> right. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Digital Kill to like our Facebook page, Digital Kill the Radio Star Podcast, and subscribe to us on whatever platform you so choose. Chris and I will be back with one more episode this year. It will be our annual top 10 albums uh, list, and I'm sure that's going to be a good one. It's probably going to be pretty, pretty eclectic if, uh, if our history holds true. So, uh, like I said, we'll do one more before the break, and then we'll reconvene at the beginning of the year and uh, hope to start churning out episodes more regularly than we have in the last, uh, last month or so. Uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. So swift, rain won't lift, gate won't close, feelings froze, and get your mind off winter time. You ain't gonna.